Well, as we start this new series today, I'm excited about what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks, and so this is going to be our summer series. And as we start off today, we have a guest with us in the midst of us today, and I'm excited about this person who is with us today. Uh, some of you may know him, some of you may not know him, some of you may uh, uh, may have read stories about him, um, some of you, uh, you are just getting to know him, uh, but uh, this is the person who has decided to be in the midst of us today. We have Jesus with us today. It's kind of a creepy version of Jesus, but we have Jesus with us today. This came in the mail uh, through Amazon. Uh, It's amazing that Amazon even delivers Jesus these days. And so, uh, uh, and we get him two days free shipping because he came Amazon Prime as well. When I pulled him out of the box that Jesus came in, my wife was like, what are you bringing into our house? And I said, I'm bringing Jesus into our house. My son kept going, hi, Jesus, to Jesus. So, uh, but this morning, you have the privilege because Jesus is with you. If anybody wants a photo op with Jesus after service, then you will be allowed. He's only got a limited time period, uh, but, uh, but you can take a picture with Jesus after if you want. But the reason we have a cardboard cutout version of Jesus, and if you didn't realize... It is only a cardboard cutout version of Jesus. It's not the real deal. The reason we have a cardboard cutout version of Jesus today is because this is many people's view of Jesus. Many people, their view of Jesus is just one of a religious guy. Somebody that they know of stories about, that there is a, there is a book called a Bible that has a lot of pages about a man called Jesus. Even maybe some of you are here today, you call yourselves Christians, but really your version of Jesus is just a cardboard cutout of Jesus. It's a religious view of Jesus that wherever you go, Jesus goes with you. And you take Jesus with you wherever you are, and and you feel good when you come to church and and you come to worship Jesus, and then you walk out and and you've got Jesus on your lips, and and maybe some of you have got a a cross around your neck and symbolizes Jesus. Maybe some of you are stuck in the 90s and still got a what would Jesus do bracelet, and uh, you are walking around with Jesus, and Jesus is with you, but ultimately, your version of Jesus is a car cut out of Jesus, because even though Jesus is with you, Jesus is not doing anything for you. Many of you, you're walking around with Jesus and a cardboard cut out version of Jesus, and he's more like an idol or a relic, because this version of Jesus that maybe you are walking around in, he has no life, he has no breath, he, 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 he can't really talk, you don't hear him, you don't feel him. But you just walk around because you know that's what Christians do. They have Jesus with it. It reminds me, uh, about three years ago, we took a mission trip to Nicaragua. And about to a couple of days before, uh, we, we went. my wife and myself, we left early. Uh, and, and we went out just uh, a couple of days before the rest of the team came and met us. Because my wife has some family who live there. So we went to visit and we were staying at her aunt's house. And one Sunday morning, we were making our way to her cousin's house. And so we were in the car and he lives on the top of this big hill. And we were going up this hill. And as we're going up this hill, suddenly there is a procession of people that, 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 are, that are walking 
walking up the hill and they're, they're, they're all over the road. And so we have to wait for them to walk up the hill. And it took forever. And, and I'm looking and I'm like, what, what's going on? And, and the guy uh, or, or my, my wife's cousin who we were going to his house said, oh, they're going to church. I'm like, oh, that's cool. They're all going to church together. Uh, and then I saw at the front, they, they had this, this big glass box that they were carrying. And there was a couple of guys carrying it. And in the big black uh, this big glass box there was like this creepy looking doll almost and I was like what is that they're carrying and they and my uh, my wife's cousin said oh it's a catholic idol I'm like a what he goes it's a catholic idol well basically what they've done is this idol belongs in the church and what what they believe that these idols they give blessings and so what they do is uh, certain uh, certain people who are fortunate they're able if they're going through a situation in their family they're able to take the idol take it to their house for the week so that God can bless their house and then they take the idol back to the church and so this is what this procession was doing and that's many people's view of God that, that we, we take this thing that we call religion or Christianity and we bring it into our house once in a while where we want a blessing or we're going through a crisis and then we come to church and we bring it back to church and, and we carry on with life. But the ultimate thing, I kind of laughed, but then I laughed because I was like, how foolish can people believe that a glass box with a creepy doll inside can bring blessing to your house? But yet so many of us, we're Christians and we have the same thing because our view of Jesus is just a cardboard cutout version of Jesus. But when you read through the Bible, from the beginning to the end, these versions of Jesus are nowhere to be seen. These versions of God are nowhere to be seen for God is not an idol in a glass box. God is not a cardboard cutout. God is a person. In fact, he is three persons in one. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I believe that when God shows up, he is not a cardboard cutout. When God shows up, he changes our world. And in your life, you've come in this place today, and we've come to worship God, and we haven't come to worship a religious relic or an idol or a cardboard cutout. We have come to worship the real deal, the God of heaven and earth. And my prayer throughout this series is that your narrative of Jesus, your view of Jesus will not be a cardboard cutout form of Jesus, but it will be a Jesus who transforms lives, who takes charge of situations and changes history. For God to show up in our lives, though, it doesn't mean that we just sit around hoping that God shows up. It doesn't mean that we just sit on the couch and we're, we're, we hope, well, I hope God shows up one day. Well, I hope God comes and, and changes my life or, 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 or brings healing or brings blessing and, and, and we just sit down and wait for God. No, we have to be proactive and we have to invite God in. We have to send an invitation to God and hope that God RSVPs back into our lives. So in the book of Exodus, there's a story in the book of Exodus chapter 33 of a guy called Moses who was the leader of the people of Israel. And the people of Israel had no home. And so they were going through the the wilderness or the desert. And they walked around living in tents for like 40 years. 
And and in Exodus chapter chapter 33, there is a story where Moses starts to plead with God on behalf of the people of Israel. And as Moses is pleading and asking God to protect the people and be with the people, suddenly God shows up. And God shows up in a way that we could not even explain. Basically, the Bible just says the glory of, the, of God just started to shine. God revealed his glory to Moses and he showed them that God was with them. And so then Moses came and asked God. He said, so God, we're on this journey. We're, we're kind of like nomads in this, in this desert. As we are going from place to place and we're living in tents, packing up our tents and moving on. Moses says, God, who will go with us? Who will go with us? And God replied and said to Moses that I will go with you. And then Moses made this statement. And it's found in Exodus 33 verse 15. And Moses said, God, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. And so what Moses understood that where God is, incredible things happen. Where God is, lives are transformed and our world is changed. And Moses started to understand that if we move, we do not want a cardboard cutout version of God. We don't want to go around and just worship a God if you are not with us. We want a God who will be with us and who will go with us. Moses was not willing to go without God, the life and the breath of God, the real deal. And I'll be honest to you today. We didn't come to church this morning to meet a cardboard cutout version of Jesus. We came to interact and worship with the real deal. The one whose glory fills the skies The one who is the creator of the world and the one who is the savior of our souls. That is who we have come to worship today. Somebody who is a person who has life, who has breath, who when he turns up, he transforms lives and he changes the situation. We did not come to worship an idol or a relic or a cardboard cutout version of Jesus. Now there was a guy in the Bible called David. David became king of Israel. And one of David's desires when he became king of Israel was to build a temple that God could dwell in, that God could live in. You see, since uh, from the time of Moses all the way up to David, which was hundreds of years between, God had been represented by something called the Ark of the Covenant. There was this, this, this box that was built. If any of you have seen Indiana Jones, then you know the Ark of the Covenant. If you haven't, then just go watch Indiana Jones. Then it'll explain the Ark of the Covenant to you. So the Ark of the Covenant basically represented the presence of God. Wherever the Ark went, that's where the presence of God was. And so from the time of Moses, they had set up kind of this temporary tent and they had set, a, set it up and put the ark in this tent. And that happened all the way from Moses all the way up hundreds of years later to, to, to when King David became king of Israel. And David felt it was wrong. Because David realized he was living in a palace. 
but God was living in a tent. And he didn't think it was right that God was living in a place worse than him, that God should be in a place better than him. Now, David didn't decide, you know what, I'm going to go and live in a tent now. No, David wanted to keep his palace. So he decided, one of my desires, one of my life's goal is to build a place where God could dwell and it could be worthy of God if you could even build a place. But David passed away without ever building that temple. And so Solomon, when Solomon was crowned king, Solomon was David's son. He became king of Israel after him. And when he was crowned king, he had this mandate. He had this agenda. We are going to build a temple. We are going to fulfill my father's legacy. And we are going to build a temple that God uh, can dwell in, that can be uh, good enough almost for God. So they started to build this temple. And it They spent many years building this temple. They spent so much money and time and resources. But the temple was elaborate. Every little minute detail was masterly crafted. It actually became one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And this temple was something to be admired, something to be looked at. And finally the day came where the temple was finished. And it was time to cut the ribbon. So they all got together. They all got their punch and their little sandwiches. And they met outside. And, and, and they all got excited. Somebody put a ribbon across the door. And then Solomon comes along with his big scissors. I don't even know where you can get those from. Maybe Amazon. And so you got these scissors. And, and he went to cut the ribbon. And they started, as they cut the ribbon, they all walked in and they carried the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolized the presence of God, into the temple. And as they started to walk into the temple, this is what happens. The story is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. 2 Chronicles chapter 5. I'm going to start reading at verse 7. It said, Then the priests carried the Ark of the Lord's Covenant into the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and placed it beneath the wings of the cherubim. And then we're going to skip a few verses, go down to verse 11. It says, then the priests left the holy place. So they've gone into this place called the holy place. They've gone to take the Ark of the Covenant in. They've, they've put it in. They've placed it in its place. And now the priests leave the holy place. It says, all the priests were present, who were present purified themselves, whether or not they were on duty that day. And the Levites, who were the musicians, Asaph, Heman, I never realized Heman was in the Bible. I'm looking for Shearer as well, but I don't know. So Heman, Jaduthan, and all their sons and brothers were dressed in fine linen robes and stood at the east side of the altar, playing cymbals, lyres, and harps. They were joined by 120 priests who were playing trumpets. You think it was loud here this morning? Could you imagine 120 trumpets? I'm like, I'm sure they had earplugs that day. That was kind of crazy. Then verse 13 says, The trumpeters and the singers performed together in unison in praise and gave thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by the trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raised their voices and praised the Lord with these words, He is good. 
His faithful love endures forever. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Just imagine for the moment the joy of this moment. These people have spent years upon years They've spent so much money, so much time, so many resources building a place that God can dwell. They finished it. They sent the invite to God and suddenly God RSVPs and says, yes, I'm coming. They get in there and suddenly God shows up. It says that the place was filled with a thick cloud and God had decided to show. Now think on the flip side for a moment. The disappointment there would have been if God had not shown up. What if God had not returned the RSVP? What if God had decided, you know what, that place isn't good enough for me? Think of the disappointment there would have been. Think of of the lack of faith or the faith that would have been drained out of people. People are like, well, is God real? Is there really God or not? Or is it just a religious thing that we're worshiping, a religious relic or idol? Think of the disappointment they would have had. Just before Easter, I uh, sat on a, or I, I sit on a, a committee that organizes a golf tournament for the Humane Society. I don't know how ever I got on a committee for the Humane Society. I don't know. I'm not an animal lover, but I don't know. I, I got on it. Anyway, so, so I sit on this committee, and we were trying to organize this tournament, and uh, we had the little disc invites that we had for Easter. And it was like the week leading up to Easter. So I got them out and I handed out everybody in the committee. And I, I just gave a little spiel. Hey, invite you to our services here um, at Generation Church on Easter. And one of the girls looked at me and she says, she says, oh, these are cool. I was like, yeah, they're pretty cool. She said, but I won't be coming. I'm like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> and she says, because you wouldn't want me at your church. I was like, what? She goes, no, honestly, you wouldn't want me at your church, and the people in your church wouldn't want me at the church. I was like, that's not true. Why, why wouldn't we want you? She says, well, I don't believe in God. She goes, I'm an atheist, and I just don't believe there's a God. And I was like, okay, well, there's lots of people who don't believe in God. It doesn't mean that you can't come to church. She said, no, you, you don't understand. I went and worked for the archdiocese for seven years, she said. She says, and I didn't believe in God before. She goes, but after seven years, I don't even believe in God even more now. Because I didn't even see God. I just saw just, just, just some, some things that they were worshiping. But I didn't, I didn't experience God. I didn't see God at all. So you wouldn't want me at your church. And I looked at her and I says, you're exactly the type of person that we want at our church. See, this is what I understood about this girl is that she had been searching in her life for God. She had wanted to experience God in her life. She wanted to believe that there was a God who could make a difference, that could love her, that she could interact with. But everywhere she went, she kept running into a cardboard cutout version of Jesus, a not real version of Jesus. And so eventually she came to the conclusion, there is no God, I don't believe in God. And that's what happens when we start to do things 
hoping that God will show up. And when God doesn't show up, it leaves us disappointed. It leaves us with a lack of faith, even sometimes no faith at all. And this is just a prime example of people view God. So many of us, we create a cardboard cutout version of Jesus and then expect him to be the real deal. We search for God in religion. We search for him in charity. We search for him even in building our own temples for God, only to be disappointed and lose faith when God doesn't show up. Now, so my question is today, why did God show up at Solomon's temple when God didn't show up at this girl's request? Or God maybe didn't show up when you asked him. Why did God show up for Solomon and all the people in the temple? And I believe the passage here in 2 Chronicles 5 gives us a clue of how to usher in the presence of God, how to invite the presence of God into our lives, into our gatherings. And the clue is this. It's a word called praise. Praise. These people, they made a loud noise unto God. It was a noise of celebration. It was a noise of praise and worship unto the God of heaven and earth. Notice, they went in with the Ark of the Covenant, but nothing happened. But as soon as they started praising God, and they started to open their mouths and play their instruments, and started to say, God is good, His faithful love endures forever. It was at that moment that God showed up. See, I believe it's when we start opening our mouths in praise to God that God shows up in our lives. There's a scripture in the Bible. It's found in Psalm 22, verse 3. And it says this, You, God, are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Or other versions say this, You dwell or you inhabit in the praises of your people. So this statement is saying here that God dwells when people praise him. God comes in into the situation where there is an act of praise. Now, you could just read that verse and think, well, that's just somebody in the Bible who may have had like a God experience and, 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 and they're making that statement. But in fact, this statement was made by Solomon's father, David. And it was made in one of David's leanest spiritual times in his life. David had called out to God and God had been silent. He cried out to heaven and heaven was shut up and silent. If you actually read Psalm 22 verses 1 and 2, it says this. David says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Anyone felt like that at times? God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? And some of you right now, you may be asking God or praying for things in your life. And you may be asking the the same question. God, why are you so far away? Why are the heavens shut up? Why are you not answering me? Then David said this, every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. So this is the situation David is in right now. He is crying out to God and God is nowhere to be seen. He is asking God to come, but there is no RSVP from God. But then he discovers the secret or discovers the way that God comes into a situation. And then he says this, but God, you are holy. You inhabit the praises of your people. I believe that God dwells in praise. When you praise God, 
God comes and dwells. There is a correct way to approach the throne of God, and that is through praise. Psalm 100 tells us this. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with singing with joy. I know some of you don't like to sing, but that's the way you come before God. I know maybe you're sitting next to someone today and you were like, I wish they hadn't sang in church today. It doesn't matter. That's the way we come before God. Verse 3 says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And then listen to this in verse 4. The psalmist says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. We are to enter his courts with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. I believe the way you come into the throne room of God is by opening your mouth and praising. And I can just imagine David taking his little son, Solomon, maybe out into the fields and saying, Solomon, I'm going to show you how to experience the presence of God. I can imagine David maybe taking his little harp and going out in the fields and then started praising God and saying, Solomon, this is how you experience God through praise. Yet this story would have had very little meaning if God had just shown up and nothing else had happened. I believe when God shows up, God doesn't show up just for showing up's sake. I believe that when God shows up, he is wanting to change lives. He wants to bring people to himself. He is there to break the power of sin and give people freedom that only comes through him. I grew up in a church that many people would call very charismatic. And we experience the presence of God every Sunday. Sometimes people would say stuff that God was saying. I didn't even know God was saying it. But we were so hungry for the presence of God. We experienced the presence of God every week. Like the hairs on on the back of our neck would stand up. You get the shiver, you know. I called it the Pentecostal shiver. And I experienced all that. But yet I'll be honest. We wanted to experience the presence of God We didn't like what happens when God shows up, though. Because when God shows up, lives are changed, sin is convicted of, people are transformed. People then realize their need to go and tell others about Jesus Christ, and we didn't want to do that. So we kind of just encircled ourselves, and we experienced God, but our community was not changed at all. And I don't believe that is what God wants to happen in in this church, in your lives When God shows up, because when God shows up, things happen. And Solomon did not want this to happen. He did not want just the cloud of God to come and everybody to be like, oh, my word is God. And then that's it. I believe that Solomon wanted God to show up because when God shows up, he makes a difference. So Solomon, in the midst of God showing up, decides to stand on a platform and he starts to pray. I call it a prayer, a prayer sandwich because he starts the prayer by praising God, saying, God, you are good. Your glory fills the earth. 
And then after he praises God, he has these requests that he makes to God. And he does what we call petition God, and he asks of God. And then he finishes the prayer with more praise, saying, God, you are good. Your faithful love endures forever. Your glory fills the earth. See, Solomon isn't there just to have a, a holy, rolling, good time. Solomon is there on behalf of the people that God will show up and change and transform lives. And just very quickly, and this morning, this is basically the prayer of, of, of Solomon. You can find it in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. It's too long to read this morning. But basically, he has six prayer requests, and this is it. He prays that God will hear them, that God will forgive them, that God will provide for them, that God will protect them, that God will be fair to them and be just to them, and that God's name will become famous. And that those who are far away from God, those even in distant lands, will come and realize that he is the real one true God. See, Solomon knew a cardboard cutout version of God was worthless. They needed a God who would show up and show up big. So Solomon didn't just wait around, uh, waiting for God to answer. They didn't just sit down uh, and with their party hats on and, and hoping in the front door would ring and it would be God and they can say, surprise. That is not what Solomon did. Solomon decided not to sit around. But Solomon decided, in the meantime, we're going to praise God until God shows up. And God shows up, this time not by a cloud. This time God shows up with fire. And when God shows up, he turned to Solomon and he answered Solomon's prayer. And this is what God said to him. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 12 to 16. Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, Solomon, I have heard your prayer and chosen this temple as a place for making sacrifices. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. Can you imagine? Solomon is praying to God. and God shows up and he's like, well, God, if you're here, we need to hear from you. We, we need you to forgive us. We need you to restore us, to heal us. We need you to protect us and to provide for us. And God says, Solomon, I'm going to do it. Solomon, because of your praise, because of your dedication to me, because you have lifted my name on high, I will come and hear every single prayer that is made in this place. And boy, would I love that if we could say that about Generation Church. That here at Generation Church, every prayer that is prayed in this place, God will hear and God will hear and not just hear, but God will then act on. That God will not shut up the heavens so that, that it feels like we are worshipping a cardboard cutout version of Jesus. But that Jesus will show up and lives will be transformed. People will be changed and our community will be totally impacted by 
the name of Jesus. And some of you this morning, you need a Solomon kind of answer to prayer. You've been praying from God and you have not heard anything, but you need a Solomon kind of answer to prayer. You are tired of the cardboard cutout version of Jesus that many people follow. You need the real Jesus. The Jesus who has life and breath. The Jesus who will answer when you call. The Jesus who will forgive when you ask. The Jesus who will heal when you are hurting. The Jesus who will provide when you are lacking. The Jesus who will protect when you are fearful. A Jesus who can become famous not only in your life, not only in your home, but in our community here in Bel Air. And I believe that Jesus is here today. I believe we do not worship a cardboard cutout version of Jesus a relic or an idol that some people may just think is just some religious thing. But we worship a Jesus who is real, who has life, who has breath, who is the God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. And I believe he is found dwelling in the praises of his people when we praise God is in the midst of us. Hebrews thirteen fifteen tells us this. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise. See, God is pleased when we praise. God shows up when you praise. And when God shows up, not only does the atmosphere change, but lives are transformed. You know, I bet there was not one person in the temple that day who turned to Solomon and said, you know what, Solomon? I don't believe in God. I don't believe there's a God. She's just all smoke and mirrors, literally. I believe everybody in that temple that day was in awe that there is a real God who hears from heaven who heals lives and restores a land. And I believe today that Jesus is here today and you can experience him. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads in prayer. And as you bow your heads in prayer, there are some of you here today, you need to experience a real Jesus. You may have experienced religion. You may have experienced what many would call a cardboard cutout form of Jesus. But today, you realize, I need the real Jesus in my life. And if that's you today, I believe you can experience it. You can experience a Jesus who not only has life and breath, but a Jesus who can transform your life, who can change you from the inside out, a Jesus who can heal you and restore you. A Jesus who can forgive you and give you freedom from your past and your sin. You can experience a Jesus who will protect you and provide for you. A Jesus who will hear you when you call. So I'm going to pray in a moment. And as I pray this morning, if that's you today, I want you to just through the simplicity of words just 
speak out to Jesus and ask him to come. And I believe when when you ask, he will RSVP to you and say, yes, I will come.